to the Generous Marriage Podcast. Fight less, feel appreciated, and have a deeper connection with your spouse. And now your hosts, Shachar Erez and Ziv Raviv. Hello and welcome to the Generous Marriage Podcast. Hi, I'm Ziv Raviv. And I'm Shachar Erez. And today we have a special guest, Ricardo Ortiz-Cazarin, who is the president and janitor when needed of Cazarin Interactive, a media company from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and someone that is also involved in helping uh, young couples just before they get wed with their relationships. Hello, Ricardo. Hello. Very nice. Uh, I'm honored to, to be part of your show. Well, we, we found you uh, online. You're a very humble and uh, generous human being, and we're excited to talk. Tell us a little bit about your marriage so that we'll get things into perspective. All right. Well, um, I met my wife in 1989 in a blind date, and we, I am Mexican-Italian, and I came to study to the United States, and she's American. She's full American, half German, half Irish. And so we have been married since April of 1991, and next year we'll be celebrating 30 years. Wow. And it has been a wonderful relationship uh, up to this point. Wow, uh, 30 years, that's quite a milestone. And all these years, you've been uh, building yourself through education and through business, and eventually, you know, got to the role of, of president, and when needed janitor as well, keeping things uh, in proportions in life. I guess. So you run like a media company and you, you sometimes, I guess, one of the busiest people in, in the neighborhood. So how, does, how do you make it work? How do I make it work? Well, I think it's all about balance and knowing um, the life, the type of life you want to live. And um, I'll be straight with you. I would say before 2008, I was working 50 to 60 hours Wow. And uh, after 2008, September of 2008, after I realized, you know, life is not all about working and money, but it's about a legacy and living the best way possible. That's when I, I started to put priorities in, in, in other than, than money. You know? so. How come? What, what, hap- what happened on 2000, September 2008 that made you realize that? So I had a mystical experience. that you know uh, that was a very shocking it was up to that point i had no religion and then from october i'm sorry august 25th to september 4th so it was about nine years nine days ten days i i went through a demonic experience and through prayer i was able to call in angels and physically release these these demons that were attacking me And realize the world is not everything that you just see. It's not just a car. It's not just being outside. But there is a whole world that is behind it. A spiritual world that is as tangible as what you see right now and you can hit or and so forth. So I started to study for now. It has been eight years of study, the spiritual energy and so forth. And so shortly after that, the, my left ear was awakened. And I started to hear, I was, I would not say um, orders, but hey, it would be good if you do this. It would be good if you do that. Talk to this person. Tell this person this. 
And so the money came as a consequence of being, as a consequence of being the person that I needed to be. So mm-hmm. if you, the focus was changed from money to being a balanced person where you have everything complete. And I think you have to evaluate everything, you know? And so, yeah. So, so a serious person like you with no religion, focused on success, on career, on money, suddenly hears voices for, or demons, gets attacked by demons for nine days. Sounds very scary. How was it for you? Uh, it, it, was, it was panicked. It was certainly scary. It was also at the same time amazing and opened a new door into a world that I heard about. I believed at a point. But now I saw it and I experienced. And after, so it was at 4 a.m. on September 4th, 2008, through prayer, a very fabulous prayer. I was actually, I'm going to tell you the prayer for, so for your listeners. The prayer is a, a, an amazing prayer. And this is the prayer that, that started everything for me. It says, God, for the divine love of your son that saves and cures, I tie in your name any bad spirit that is in me or around me. And I, when I said it the first time the day before, something pulled from my stomach and, you know, there were two demons. So the first one pulled out. Um, the second one, I had to pray for probably three hours, the same prayer. But towards the end, this beautiful sword came up and I might sound crazy to you and your audiences, but, and, and, and I, believe me, I think that sometimes a movie will be made out of me or out of this, and I wouldn't believe it myself, you know, but it happened. And so this sword came through in my, in my mind and, and the light came to the top of the sword. And then I felt energy coming from my fingertips that carries on my arms, both of my arms, got to my chest and then got to my stomach. And once it got to my stomach, then on my left leg, the second demon left. And the love and the peace and the tranquility that I felt at that point is something that I will never forget. And it's something that I wanted to have more of. And I have been able to do it through meditation and from being the person that wants, God wants me to be, you know? And what, that sounds amazing. And were you able to share it with people? Did you tell your wife about it? Yes. I, the next morning, actually, what happened, um, so this happened at 4.26 a.m. The next morning... At six of five, I woke up and I thought I had slept like 14 hours. I felt so, so good. She had known. I mean, I, had, I kept telling her because physical manifestations were happening, objects moving around me, TV going on by itself, you know, physical things happening, poltergeist type of things. And so I took a shower. I was taking the shower when my wife looked at me and she said, it's over, right? And it's like, I don't know what to tell you, honey, but I feel amazing. And I feel a love that I, I can't even imagine, you know? So, yeah, I mean, that, that love that I felt, I know it was God, you know? Mm. Yeah. Wow. And since then, you're telling us that since then you're exploring that and, and deepening into spirituality and, and, yes. and the love of God. And yeah. still you have a business. Yes, yes. And you're a quote-unquote serious guy. Yes, yes. I, so, so, so I don't share this information with a lot of people because 
they will think I'm crazy. I only share it if I'm told to share it, you know? Mm. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I certainly, I'm a serious person. And, and I think actually what's happening today in the world is, is, is something that God wanted us to do and reflect on our lives, you know? Reflect on what we are doing today, on what's important, you know? Mm. So tell, tell us a little bit about... Uh your relationship with your wife on the after 2008 uh, situation, how did okay. it change your, your focus yeah. in day to day? Yeah. So, so my wife, let's start with the religion. Uh, my wife grew up Catholic. So in fact, two of her aunts are nuns and one of her uncles uh, was a priest. And one of his bro- her brothers is a priest. Mm. Um, so religious family, very religious family. Catholic. So she grew up with going to church every Sunday. And we married in a Catholic church. I, in fact, I was baptized uh, Catholic when I was six months, but I never did any of the sacraments or any of the uh, things. And my Mexican family didn't go to church at all. So, so she prayed uh, and she tells, she will tell you if you ask her, she prayed for 18 years for me to gain religion. Right. And so On 2008, once this happened, I said, okay, let's, let's explore this deal, right? And, uh, and up to that point, when I was 15, I had taken a course on meditation, meditation and, uh, and dreams. And so I believed in meditation. I believed in asking for what you need and want. But, you know, religion in Mexico, is, is very, especially Catholic religion, is very different from what it is in the United States. In Mexico, the priests believe that they are presidents or, you know, and you have to be submissive to them. And it's a, it's a very different relationship that I don't believe in. Anyway, so the question was, how did it change? So what happened was I didn't go to church. I ran to church right after August, oh, September 4th. Uh, I went to meet with, with, uh, with a priest and with a spiritual counselor, and I became a Catholic in 2009. Before I became a Catholic, I had a meeting with a priest to whom I explained that before being Catholic, I am a mystical, spiritual person who believes in meditation and believes in not really faith, but to actually develop a relationship with the spiritual world. And so I asked him if the Catholic Church would accept this. And he, he said, yes, as long as you follow this. And, and it's just a very small deal. If you believe that there is one God and not many gods and so forth. And I, I said, yeah, I believe there is one God. But there are angels and there are other parts in the spiritual world. And so I became a Catholic in 2009. And as a family, we started going to church every Sunday. And that became a tradition for my family. And as you will learn, one of the things that we tell our couples is to create great memories. I'm going to church every Sunday and then going for lunch afterwards has become a, a tradition and a great memory, you know, for my daughters. So, so that's, that's how, that, that's one of the changes, you know? Yeah. So One of the things you, you talk about in your guide that you shared with us before the interview about Uh, you know what you work uh, what you guide um, uh, young couples uh, just before they get married uh, you talk about roles in in between the couple between the partners this and I want 
I want your, your uh, share of it specifically because uh, you, you're also a business person. You're also an owner of a company as a president, a humble president. So what, what roles works for you? Uh, what works for me? It, I'm sorry, which, which, is the, which one is the, I don't want, one, two, three, which one is the one? I think it's nine, the roles one, roles. Okay. Oh, the roles. I'm sorry. Okay. So, yes. Okay. Um, actually, this is very good. This action is very good. So, since I grew up in Mexico, I'm supposed to be a macho man, right? Well, my wife didn't like cooking. And I didn't believe in my wife to be staying at home. My wife had a really incredible education. And so, I took the role of cooking at our house because I enjoyed the cooking, you know, and didn't mind it. And she took the role of washing the dishes and so forth and both working together. So we decided, we, we separated the tasks. You'll do what you like to do and I'll do what I like to do, you know, and we will compromise on those tasks that we don't, we have to do together or whatever. But cooking was something that I really enjoyed. So I did 90% of the cooking, you know, for 20 years. And I actually have a really cool story. Please. <laughs> you know, in the first or second year, of our marriage and we didn't have kids until we were married for six years on purpose okay because we wanted to develop our our relationships i wanted i had enough stories of people saying when you have kids you will see the change the world changes and i told my wife we'll have kids when we are ready not right away so in the first year my wife gave me a set of cooking pots and pans you know and so i went to mexico right after christmas and visit with them after Christmas and the New Year. And my mother in Mexico said, hey, what did you get for Christmas? And I said, Mary gave me this beautiful set of pots and pans to cook. And my mother says, oh, okay. And she says, honey, don't tell anybody. I said, what? <laughs> and she goes, people are going to think that you are a mama's boy and, and that you, your mom, your wife controls you. And I was like, Okay, I have no problem with it, but if you don't want me to share it, it's okay, you know? Culturally, yeah. I was not supposed to say that, you know, I got pots and pans for Christmas. So yeah, it's not macho enough. It's not macho, but it's a role that I decided to take and I'm proud of it, you know? Yeah. So. But how do you decide? How do you do the... The, the negotiation. Yeah, negotiations. Negotiation. Okay, so, so I have to talk about this pre-marriage and then during the marriage. So I grew up in, in Mexico City with my wife, with my wife, with my, with, I'm the oldest of three, and then my mom and dad. And then I became an exchange student here in the United States with another couple. She was Italian as well, and he was Irish English. And growing up in both families, there was the same issues. A lot of fights because... My mother in Mexico was a princess. My mother here was a princess as well. And they would overspend, okay? So there were fights about money. And I, before I got married, I told my, my wife, listen, it doesn't matter if I make a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. I expect you to work because I don't ever expect us to have a fight about money. And you don't ever have to ask me about Can you spend on something? We're going to decide a budget. And if you can afford to buy a, you know, clothes or go someplace after we have, you have put your share for, for the expenses of the house, I don't care. 
you know, but we're not, you and I will never be arguing about money. And that's how we was pre-marriage and then after marriage. That's, that's how we have done it. And for us, it has worked really, really well. But it's, it's more like having a framework of what that relationship is going to be. In my case, my framework is to have a partner, an equal partner, mm-hmm. and not a woman that has to listen to me to everything that I have to do. Because in my culture, the man says everything you have to do, you know, and in many cultures. For yeah. me and for probably a lot of European and U.S. society, equal partnership works, you know. And we have three daughters who have their own mind and we invest in their education. And that's number one, you know, be yourself and don't ever depend on anybody. Nice. And, uh, and so like through working together as partners, those roles are easier to negotiate. You also, in your relationship mentoring, where you help a young couple just before they get married, you also talk about making memories or experiences yes. together. And you mentioned yes. one, one example with, with uh, going to church. Is there other examples like uh, of yearly yeah. memories or something of that sort? Yeah. Yes, yes, I have some that, that you would love. Okay, so I'll, I'll share a couple with you. On the night before Christmas, um, so on Christmas Eve, um, my wife for the last 12, 12 years has purchased pajamas that are the same. So we all have to open our pajamas and we all have to sleep with that and we have to take pictures. And so by the time we wake up on the next day, we all have the same pajamas and open all with our same pajamas. So that's a, a really wonderful. And there are all kinds of funny pajamas. Once you look like a dwarf or once you look like a Christmas help, uh, Santa Claus helper or, um, you know, crazy pajamas. But I don't care. You look silly, <laughs> but the whole family looks silly. Yeah. Sounds like a lot so of fun. Yeah. So that's one. Sunday uh, cooking. So I like cooking, and this was not implemented in the beginning. This was implemented when I when I turned fifty, and I talked to my wife to help me. But we started cooking together on Sunday nights, and I told my girls they cannot go out with boyfriends, they cannot do whatever. And it took us like three Sundays to get it going. But once it went going, it was great. It was five thirty p.m. to seven thirty. We will cook together. If we were to cook something basic, then we will have extra time to play games together, but 5.30 to 7.30 together. And in the beginning, it's like, okay, what do you want to cook? I made it so I have um, three daughters and my wife, so they will, sh- they will choose the menu for the dinner. And so it could be anything from very basic hamburgers to paella, which is a Spanish dish that has rice and seafood and so forth. And so... It was beautiful to see, you know, like boyfriends, hey, you want to go out? No, but, but you, you can come, but you had to help to cook. So it was okay to bring other people in. And then when there were other kids who were like, I want to come on your Sunday nights, you know? And so that was a beautiful, beautiful tradition that lasted probably three, four years. Because then my daughters went to college and they were not here. And, and it, was, it was very, very pretty, very, very nice. So when, when they are here, I, I push for that. Yeah, so it's not just experiences. You also create traditions, rituals. Yes, there you go. Yes. Yeah, also and when some... I ask all my daughters, what's the best about being with us and, you know, us being your parents, they all say the same. The traditions that we have. 
wow. you know. So these are great family traditions. Any couple marriage tradition that you yes. want yes. to share with us? Yep, yep. This one here I would recommend to anybody who's have, going to have a child soon, anytime soon, okay? So we decided, or because of that deal about money, I told my wife, we're going to evolve our careers. And once we feel settled, we'll have our first child. And so it was five years when, when we like, okay, you can get pregnant. And it was six years into the marriage when my wife was able to, to get pregnant. And so we had a, a daughter. And many women in your audience are going to feel the same way of what I'm going to say. Um, they wanted to, she, my wife wanted to be close to the child, to the baby, and not leave the baby. And before this, we were to do, go out a lot. So what I did is I read a little bit, and I, I know there's hormonal changes in women and so forth. But what I did was this. I called a neighbor. Our baby was three months at this point. And I said, neighbor, I, I, I will appreciate it if you can babysit. I will pay you. Can you come on Saturday at 5 p.m.? I didn't tell my wife before this. And she said, yeah, I'll be there at 5 o'clock. On that same Saturday at 10 a.m., I told my wife, tonight at 5 p.m., our neighbor's coming over and we're going to go out. And you and I are going to spend time together. And she started to cry and she said, no, I cannot leave the baby and so forth. And that day was the beginning of a 22, 23-year tradition for us. Every Saturday, we go out. Out of 54 Saturdays in the year, we probably go out 45 of them, just the two of us, you know? Wow, wow, So wow. it's a beautiful tradition. My daughters knew it. The babysitters would be coming in, and it's just the two of us spending time together it's for a, each other. It's a beautiful tradition, and it's great to have a weekly date night. And what I love most about this story is how you took ownership of it. You didn't, uh, you know, so many men, they want to have a date with their wife. They leave the babysitting uh, responsibility to the wife. Sure. You, yeah. No, no. We, we, as we explained, we have different roles, you know, like it's, we are partnership, you know, or yeah. whatever you have to do at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you realized what you want, what your need is, and you took ownership and did it in such a generous and loving way, su- such a kind way. That even yeah. though it was hard for her, she was willing to let go. Yeah, wow. yeah. We share that with all of our the couples that we advise. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, one more tip that you share uh, in your guide is about how there are ways to make decisions for both of you. So yes. tell us about that. Yeah. So there there were times in which you know she would my wife would buy something for the house and. She will come like, oh, I don't like it. And it took a couple of those situations where we said, okay, we need to create a process in which you can make decisions for both of us, but there has to be a way to reverse that. And so we came up with the following. You can buy anything you want for the house. If it's for you, for your personal thing, no problem. But if it's for the house, like a lamp or like a piece of furniture, a sofa, something like that, then you can buy it, but you keep the receipt and you don't know that it's going to stay in the house until you get the approval of the other person. And so you can bring it home, but if the other person doesn't like it, you have, it will have to be returned. And so we, once we have that, it was like, yeah, buy anything or whatever. Or if you are at the furniture store, you can send a picture of what this is going to be. 
and then get the approval that way. So you don't have to go through the return. But it's it's just talking, right? Communicating mm-hmm. um, and, and deciding what how are we going to go through that process. Mm-hmm. So. so so there's a lot of trust and each one of you can buy what you like. Yes, but, yes. But you're also open for feedback and to... Yeah, if, and if you don't like it, okay, it has to go back. And, and the other person has to be okay with it. And how often, how often did you have to use the veto power and to ask for uh, returning it? Out of, I would say, 15 times, I think I asked for one or two things to be returned. And out of the times that I bought, I don't remember anything being returned, you know. So it's, it's, a, it's a tradition that created trust, basically. Yes, yes. And again, just the framework is a partnership, right? It's not what I say goes, you know. We have both to agree on what it goes. Same about, I don't know, educating the children and same about everything? Yes. Um, my wife was very, it was very important for her that they will have Catholic education. And, and I, I believe in Catholic education, but I, I, it's very expensive here in the United States, you know. And so I said, fine, but you pay for it. And I support you, you know, and, and I said, you know, I, having a company and so forth, I just didn't want to have one more expense, you know, and she has been, she's a very successful uh, executive. And so she paid for the most of the education of the girls. And so they have Catholic education and it is what it is. Yeah. I, I want to ask you about the, the times in your life where you're very busy and you have To, to some, I don't know, finalize the project for work or a big customer has a, a big launch of something and you, you're helping them. And in that time when where, where the business is a priority, I want to know what makes you feel supported in your relationship with your wife. That's a really good question. And I, I know the answer. And so there's a point in the relationship, probably takes probably one year, a couple years, to know the ins and out of your partner. And I know when to leave my wife alone because she reacts like, you know, I, I, I can't deal with it right now or whatever it is. And I just step out and create a little bit of a fence about her, you know, talk to her, hey, you know, be careful now, whatever. And then when, when she comes down, you can talk to her and say, okay, what was going on? How could I support you, right? Well, the same thing happens when you are get very busy. And it's okay to get very busy. It's not okay to be very busy all the time, all right? That's something that, that you have to learn because it's not fair to the partnership, that you are busy all the time and you don't give time and, and, and help. And so you have to be fair to the partnership by knowing that in work, you can be busy a little bit and change priorities and change whatever you need to do. And so to answer your question is, she knows to leave me alone and give me room until I'm not as busy. And, and I know that she does it, you know, because later on we talk about it. So, so that takes a lot of trust as well, huh? It's trust, is getting to know your partner and understanding the framework of the relationship, which in our case is a partnership. Mm. Okay. Are there any, any small gestures uh, like that, that helps you feel supported as well? Like for me, for example, it's um, the fact that I can ask for a cup of coffee. If I'm super busy and I know I can ask my wife for a cup of coffee, I feel so supported and full of love mm-hmm. by her making me this, this cup. 
Do you have any 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 uh, thing like that? Um, to be honest, I get in such a tunnel vision that I what what I enjoy is is to be able to be like that that nothing will bother me. And so, I, I don't know if you both have kids, but kids are very <laughs> demanding, right? Yes. And so knowing that my kids will not get upset because I'm not responding mm. is the important thing to me, you know, because I want to have a really good relationship with them. And so she helps me on, on saying to the kids, you know, he's very busy in this day or whatever. Not now, you know, mm -hmm. but that, that's probably it. That would be it. Yes. She respects that you're busy, understands your tunnel vision, and that, you, that the best support will, will be to, not, to let you not be a, a interrupted. Yep. Yeah, yep. I, I totally relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. As a, as a man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, what other questions do you have? I wonder if uh, your angels are telling you anything to... To tell you? To share more. Yeah, actually, they, they, they used it. Uh, it's amazing that you're asking this, the question. So here, here's what they are telling me. Uh, this, is, this is probably going to be... The best advice for all the couples that are looking, that are listening to you, okay? You and your partner, or your significant other, must decide what's going to be important to you and what that, really, that marriage is all about, that family, that new family. You're going to have influences from your brothers, your sisters, your parents, your friends, as to what works best. Don't bring that into the marriage. You have to, before you tell your partner, you have to say, is that important to me on the marriage that I want to do, have? And then you tell your partner your opinion. Don't say, my friend says that this. My father says this. You and your partner are building this family and these traditions for yourselves. And nobody else can change that and respect that. That if you do that, I think you will avoid so many fights from in, in the marriage itself because it's you and your partner who decide what's best, you know? So Yeah, you'll avoid fights coming for, uh, from the outside and you'll create the yeah. exact, par exact partnership that works for you and your partner. Yeah, so that's the one. That I Ricardo, I have to ask you, do, do you ever fight with your wife? Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> um, I, we do fight. And it is known to, you know, impact. There was one recent time. She wanted me to tell her how pretty she looked. And my mind was not even there. My mind was in work and something else. And I just messed it up, you know. And so the next day I went and kissed her and she was like a porcupine, you know. But I, 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 I admit, you know, I messed up. You know, because you know your partner, you have to go with the tail between your legs and, and do the best. You know, but like I said, in the number one sheet that I send you, always respect each other. Always, you know, you're not going to cross that line. And before you cross that line, leave, you know, leave the place so you can come back and say, you know, this is what happened. I, I was so upset that I couldn't see. Right. And if you maintain that respect, then you can continue with the relationship. If you yeah. break that respect. It's tough. It becomes tough. Yeah. If you have disrespect, even if you mess up and you don't tell her she's pretty when you need to, yeah, you can fix it the next day or so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ricardo, uh, listening to you is strengthening a lot of things that we are studying in the Generous Marriage podcast. And you 
are natural. Your your thirty year marriage uh, just makes it just it makes me so happy the, to to hear your stories about your tradition and about your family and about the way that you support each other in your framework of partnership. So I want to thank you so much for sharing this with us. Is there any, any additional uh, thing you want to share or, or, or tell us uh, before we wrap up? Yes. We're going through an incredible worldwide change in which we need to re- reflect of what we do. And I think people need to explore what it's like being somebody, you know, to reflect of the person they want to be and the person they, they must be. Uh, because we are here for a period of time and leaving a, a legacy that is, that is good is something that should be explored. And so being the best they can be is something that I hope everybody in your audience explores. Amen. Thank you so much for, for helping us uh, in our journey to try and help people as well uh, be inspired and uh, see the power of, of a strong relationship. I thank you for sharing and uh, in the show notes of today's episode, guys, we will put the actual guide that Ricardo and Marie Ortiz-Cazarin are sharing uh, and in their program of relationship mentoring uh, with young couples so that you could be inspired as well with the details of these uh, uh, words of advice. And uh, just personally, I want to say when... When, when you have an opportunity to hear from the masters of relationships, from a couple that is married for 30 years, they're doing something right if they stayed so long. And uh, you could hear in, in Ricardo's voice uh, those things and you can read the, the actual guide if you go to generousmarriage.com and find today's episode. Thank you so much for sharing everything with us, Ricardo. All right. Shalom. Shalom. Shalom, shalom. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.